Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Golden Black Radio as we take a look at this week in Purdue Athletics. Here's your host, Kyle Charter. Purdue still controls the West, as does Illinois, and Boilermakers need four wins in four weeks to win a division title. But the bye week is now, and Purdue needs to get healthy and find fixes if it's to run the table. That's ahead today on Gold and Black Radio. Kyle Charters with Tom Deanhart. Tom, the Boilermakers hit the bye. I think like 99% of the time people say that the bye comes at the right time. Uh, I think for (laughs) Purdue this week, the bye does, in fact, come at the right time. The Boilermakers will be able to stew a little bit after the loss to Wisconsin, uh, but also get a little healthier. Uh, Purdue's playing with some guys that are a little bit nicked up, as are a lot of teams in the country. But if the Boilermakers are to make a run in November, seems like this is a pretty good week to get healthy and find some things to fix. Yeah, probably like a two-week buy, Kyle, honestly. Uh, <laughs> as you mentioned, everybody's got a sad story to tell you, right, about all the injuries they're dealing with. So, uh, like you said, everybody's um, trying to fight through things this time of year. Eight games in for Purdue. And, yeah, it seems like, Kyle, the, the list of, of wounded grows. And, and last week in Madison, uh, we saw a few guys have to be helped off the field and never returned. Uh, the secondary in particular, Kyle, the two cornerbacks, Corey Trice and Jamari Brown, will hopefully find out more. Today, we'll speak with Coach Brom after they have a light practice, and we'll see what their status is. And Kydron Jenkins was helped off the field, too, the Leo Kyle. You know, he, uh, he, I saw him warming up before halftime. It looked like he wanted to go back in, but I think he was held out just as a precaution. So we'll have to see what his status is. And, you know, Paul Perry, Ben Furtney, a couple guys on offense that got dinged. So on and on it goes, right? And I'll say this, too. Uh, we all saw some of the issues in the back end of that defense the last couple of weeks. I wouldn't be shocked if maybe we see maybe a change at that deep safety spot going forward here with a guy like maybe Bryce Hampton stepping in for Cam Allen. That's something to keep on your radar. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll we'll jump into some of the details uh, of all of that. We'll do that here in just a moment on Golden Black Radio. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. Looking to start a new holiday tradition? Thanksgiving officially marks the start of Sand Valley Pursuits season. Spend quality time indulging in a chef-driven menu complete with craft cocktails and homemade pie. Reserve your experience today. Call 866-976-1069 or visit sandvalleypursuits.com. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill Industrial and Classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. East End Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. 
All right, Kyle, here with Tom talking a little bit of football as Purdue is during uh, its bye week. Uh, that was interesting what you had to say about the safety position, um, Tom. It, it does seem like Purdue's having a little bit of trouble there, especially well, especially in everything, to be frank. Uh, coverage and uh, tackling back there has mm-hmm. has not been the best. So, I mean, injury might force Purdue's hand with some – with some personnel changes, but there is a chance maybe that Purdue will do some different things too to try to shore up uh, what it's doing in the back half of the defense. Yeah, you know, you're, you're limited by your personnel who's available, obviously, and, and, and we all know the depth in that secondary is getting awfully thin. So, again, first we'll have to find out the availability of Trice and Brown. Reese Taylor is still going to be one cornerback, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, I think, Kyle, we're going to see – I mentioned Bryce Hampton earlier – safety. I think Bryce Hampton and Sanusi Kane, who also is a starting safety, I think those guys are going to be asked to play some cornerback, too. He can do that, Kyle. Of course, Sanusi Kane yeah. started the bowl game last year and did very well at cornerback, played over 100 snaps against Tennessee. So I think that would give Purdue a couple more options at cornerback as well if they need him, too. And, you know, Brandon Callaway is a redshirt freshman who's been out with an ankle sprain. He didn't even, he didn't even make the trip. Uh, again, that, that was another hit to that secondary as well. So, again, that, that's one area of the team that's really hurting um, personnel-wise. Also psychologically, right? I mean, the Nebraska game, the Wisconsin game, um, they, they, I'm sure they read social media. They read stories. They, they know the criticism that's being thrown their way. I'm sure everybody wants them to do better. They want to do better. But we all know they're struggling right now, and this is a good chance for them to catch their breath and maybe for the staff to – reset and get that, 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 that whole area of the team, you know, reorganized and solidified going forward. Might be an opportunity in game one coming back off the break, too, to build a little bit of confidence in that group, considering we know the struggles that Iowa has had uh, offensively this season, to say the least, especially throwing the football around. So, so maybe an edge there for Purdue. But, yeah, I mean, that has been sort of a shocking part of the first eight games of this season is that a veteran secondary has has really mm-hmm. struggled for Purdue. Uh, I mean, much more. We thought perhaps, you know, if you were to rank uh, parts of Purdue's defense, you know, confidence picks perhaps, uh, maybe on the whole team even, you'd, you'd put the, the secondary you would have in the preseason uh, up in the top half of that, I would guess. But, man, it has – it has really struggled here, especially over the last three or four games. Yeah, you're right. Uh, a lot of veteran talent back there. Cam Allen's a true senior. Lucy Kane's a true junior. And when Chris Jefferson was playing, we didn't even mention Chris Jefferson, Kyle. He's a fifth-year senior. Again, the timetable on his return, unknown. <clears throat> you know, fifth-year seniors and Corey Trice and Jamari Brown and Reese Taylor. So you're right. A lot of veteran talent back there and um, <clears throat> a unit that's really struggling. You talked about you know, here comes Iowa for Purdue's next game, and their struggles. Well, Kyle, I'm sure Iowa's licking its chops, thinking, hey, this is a chance for maybe our offense to get on track going against that Purdue uh, yeah. secondary and pass defense. So, who knows? But, yeah, boy, like you said, it's been a surprise, some of the struggles back there. I do think, Kyle, the pass rush has been pretty good. You know, they, they've had a fair amount of sack and, and quite a few pressures, so I think they've been getting some heat up front to help that secondary do its job, but Again, just a lot of blown coverages, guys wide open. Um, there's been some scheme issues. You go back to that Syracuse game, that last drive. And, uh, yeah, like I said, just uh, 
there's a lot of boxes you can check when, when you're really trying to throw criticism at that unit. So it, it's been a it's been a tough go. Um, so yeah, they got to get that stuff buttoned up because I think you mentioned off the top, my friend. Purdue has so much to play for here in November. Um, win the last four, you're playing in Indianapolis for the Big Ten championship, and I think most people would agree when you look at Purdue's schedule. That's not uh, a huge task to ask. There's plenty of challenges with Iowa, Illinois, Northwestern, Indiana. But, uh, again, you'd like to think Purdue would have a decent chance maybe to go 4-0 with all eyes on that game in Champaign, uh, maybe being the game that, that, that really tells Purdue's tale of the season. Yeah, the Boilermakers will, will very likely be favored in three of the four. I think it's safe to say Purdue will be a favorite against Iowa, almost possibly that the Boilermakers would not be a favorite against uh, Northwestern and, you know, then Iowa, excuse me, then Indiana in the final game of the season, while Purdue will probably be a favorite. It might be a game that Indiana is playing for pretty much any bit of pride that, that might be left if, if the Hoosiers can't win a game here over the next few yeah. weeks. Um, I mean, it might come down to that game at Illinois. Purdue will be an underdog there most likely, though the Illini have a couple of games uh, coming up between um, now and then, um, including what I think this weekend will be a sneaky, challenging game for the Illini at Nebraska. I, I, I think that, you know, that's not a game that Illinois should take lightly, and I doubt it will. Uh, but what do you handicap Purdue's chances at uh, to be able to, to run the table? I agree with you. That game for the Illini in Lincoln this Saturday is very interesting. Um, so, yeah, that, that's something we'll all be – all Purdue fans will be watching for sure. I still wonder how well Purdue matches up with Illinois, Kyle. You know, Brett Bielema is the head coach, and um, he's built that Illini team already, much like he had those Wisconsin teams back in the day, physical ground teams. They want to punch you in the nose. And, Kyle, they're playing very good defense, too. Um, Ryan Walters, a defensive coordinator, is a rising star, and that's really been the strength of that team is that defense. So tough defense, physical ground game, probably an underrated quarterback in Tommy DeVito. It's going to be hard for Purdue to win over there. Um, I like their chances yeah. in the other three, obviously. So that would make you, what, 8-4? and four. Um, <clears throat> Maybe going to the Citrus Bowl. I've seen Jerry Palm as Purdue down there in Orlando playing uh, like Ole Miss. I'm getting way ahead of myself here. But, again, long story <laughs> short, 3-1 three, three to me would be the ex, uh, what I would expect. 4-0, again, would be huge. But, again, Kyle, Illinois is not Ohio State or Michigan. So, uh, yeah. you still kind of want – don't you want in the back of your mind how good Illinois really is? Here, 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 here I go with this game, right? How good, how, really, how good is this team really? Who have they beaten? Who has Illinois beaten, Kyle? At least they took care of Wisconsin and Madison, right? But, again, I don't yeah. want to take anything from the line. It's going to be a tough out for Purdue, there's no doubt. That's why I think this game for Illinois this weekend at Nebraska seems like a very interesting one. Because if they go there and win, Remember this, Chicago, and win decidedly, Illinois, then we know. Illinois still has to play at Michigan, too. Yeah, the week after Purdue, yep. yep. But if they win against Purdue and they beat Nebraska and whoever else they got in there, then they've got an extra game of sort of wiggle room to be able to lose that Michigan game. Uh, but that's for another time. Hey, uh, Tom, thank you. We'll bring in Brian here in just a moment to talk a little bit of hoops. Thank you, sir. Take care, buddy. All right, let's take a break. We will bring in Brian Newber, talk a little bit of uh, basketball after the fan day scrimmages over the weekend. We will do that coming up next on Gold and Black Radio. 
At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-587-3185 to talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-587-3185. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Welcome to Golden Black Radio as we take a look at this week in Purdue Athletics. Basketball season uh, right around the corner. Let's uh, catch up with Brian here talk a little bit of hoops, fan day, some scrimmages over the weekends. Uh, Brian, if there's one thing that stands out to me, uh, it seems pretty evident that at least two of Purdue's freshmen are going to play pretty big roles uh, this season in um, Braden Smith and, and Fletcher Lawyer. I mean, those two guys, uh, I mean, I think you probably told us this before, but uh, we, we see it now more up close, play with a, a little bit more uh, – maturity maybe than a, a typical freshman at least that's what it looks like right now i'm sure there will be challenges once we actually get into play but um purdue needs some help in the backcourt and it looks like those two guys will be able to provide some of it yeah you know they um they're going to have their ups and downs but i think their downs are going to be fewer than they would be for a lot of people just because they're guys who kind of grown up around the game they kind of have a natural basketball instinct about them on top of their on top of their ability levels and I think um they're going to be pretty low maintenance guys for freshmen that being said anytime you're young in the backcourt that's that's a pretty perilous situation but I think Purdue's you know question marks around a young backcourt are probably uh, a little bit lower than they would be a little bit fewer uh, otherwise uh, because I think those guys are both pretty advanced that being said, it's still going to be uh, it's still going to be um, there's still going to be some turbulence, and that's always unsettling when you're uh, when you're going into a season, especially when you you know maybe don't have the depth you'd like to have, which is exactly the position Purdue's in, especially at point guard. Um, so Purdue's going to have to kind of truck through some things here until experience catches up with uh, catches up with with ability. Uh, I, I'd say you know. Um, coming out of non-conference play, you know, as they say, that terrible cliche, there's no freshmen anymore. Um, <laughs> you know, they're, they're still going to be freshmen, but um, they should have a little bit of a little bit more seasoning to them by then. So uh, I think Purdue's non-conference schedule is good for onboarding freshman guards too. So uh, I think that um, 
I think that's a plus. Of all the sports cliches, that is among the worst, isn't it? It's, it's I mean, one of my favorites, actually. <laughs> is it one of your favorites because it's one of the worst or one of your favorites because it's one of your favorites? You know how I feel about terrible cliches. The worse, the better. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think yeah. of some others right now. And uh, it's a little early in they the morning come to me, you. so my yeah. cliche directory is a little bit uh, stunted <laughs> right now. Yeah. Uh, did you have any other uh, big – or what were your big takeaways from from this weekend? Uh, you know, not as much as you'd think for, you know, uh, a public deal this early on. It's just – it's so hard to tell anything when the team is split in half. Um, yeah. But I think the freshman guards are, you know, one of the big ones. I mean, obviously – there's stuff about this team that you didn't have to see to know. Uh, one of them being that, you know, Purdue's going to play through Zach Eady as much as Purdue can possibly play through Zach Eady when he's on the floor. Um, two things about that. I thought he did a pretty good job, you know, passing the basketball out of the post, uh, making decisions. I think that's going to be uh, something that's really important um, for them. Remember, he had, uh, you know, uh, Last we saw him against St. Peter's, I think he had five turnovers. Um, yeah. And that's just something that they can't, you know, really deal with this year. I don't think that was an ongoing problem necessarily for him last year, but it's something that they're going to need for him to be really good at because you could make the case that he's their most important offensive decision maker now uh, because uh-huh. – there's going to be games where Purdue wants people doubling the post because that's where some of their best offense has been derived from over the years, getting the ball moving out of double teams, you know, making that extra pass, getting that open three, getting that drive, whatever it might be. So he's going to have to do a good job with that. You know, he's also, obviously he's built for contact and he's going to get to the foul line uh, as much as anybody probably, but still not as much as he probably should. Um, by no fault of his own, but uh, I think the fact he was seven to seven at the foul line, this this was not you know the final five minutes at at Michigan State. This was not the final five minutes <laughs> in in Bloomington, things like that, where everybody's screaming at you, and the conditions are something you can't replicate in practice. But um, his stroke looked good, and you know he took a bit of a step back last year at the foul line. I think his freshman year, you kind of marveled at how good he looked at the free throw line for a guy that big. Uh, and I yeah. think he looked really good doing it on Saturday. If he could get that that free throw percentage up from it was just under 65% last year to north of 70, uh, in the vicinity of 75%, that would be that would be a really big deal for this team. Um, so I think those were a couple of things that stood out about him. Um, couldn't tell you anything about defense because they were just simulating zone the whole time, which was kind of kind of disappointing for those of us who wanted to, you know, yeah. see things about this team. Um, but that's what kind of jumped out. That and the freshman guards that we already talked about. One thing that I, I I'm intrigued by, though, it's not something you can really answer in a in a uh, split squad scrimmage uh, like that over the weekend is. It's sort of uh, front court. We, we've talked so much about the, the back court and, you know, who plays and what roles and all of that, and that still has to shake itself out, obviously. But 
I think an under talked about aspect of this team is sort of uh, front court rotations and minutes. How many minutes can Zach Eady play per game? You know, because he will be the the primary now guy, though obviously not the only guy in the front court. But you know, can he can he average twenty five, twenty seven minutes per game? And then you know, what's the rotation look like after that with Caleb First and Mason Gillis and Trey Kaufman Wren and you know all of that? I, I think you know that's something we can't. And I don't know that you know exactly, you know, just watching a fan day, you know, split squad scrimmage. But to me, that's interesting once the games get going. Yes, that is an under-talked about topic, you wordsmith. Um, <laughs> no, uh, you know, I, I, I think Purdue has a lot of – I don't mean to make fun of you. I just thought it was funny. Um, <laughs> I, I think that, uh, you know, Purdue has a lot of assets in its front court, and part of it – this season is going to be maximizing all of that. I think personally, my opinion, um, you know, I think that Zach Eadie is going to play with Caleb first. Zach Eadie is going to play with Trey Kaufman Rand. Uh, Mason Gillis is going to play with Caleb first, et cetera, et cetera. But I think you probably more often than not, you tether Zach Eadie and Mason Gillis together uh, because mm-hmm. I think Gillis is like the ideal complement for Zach Eadie. He's got a ton of experience playing next to him. His skill set ideally suits him. But then also, first and Kaufman Wren playing next to each other can be a really, really dangerous combination because of what they're capable of doing together. Um, yeah. So I think that might be how this plays out a little bit. Uh, I think if you saw the scrimmages on Saturday, you saw a little bit of what Caleb Purse could do in pick and roll. Uh, I think it gives mm-hmm. you a little bit of an ability to play differently. Uh, with those guys because Kaufman Rand and First are very different players than Edie. Uh, they're very skilled. Uh, they're very mobile. You know, things like yeah. that. Uh, I think First had a nice little knack in pick and roll with uh, Fletcher Lawyer, uh, which is, you know, something that's going to be uh, something that can be um, an asset moving forward. I think Fletcher Lawyer is just a multi-skilled guy and just a really good offensive player, uh, whereas we tend to categorize him as a shooter. I think he's much more than that, and I think he showed that a little bit on Saturday. But I think that uh, that first and Kaufman-Ren combination uh, can be really dangerous offensively. Uh, I think it gives you the ability to guard a little bit differently, too, because you can be a little bit more dynamic, you can be a little bit more active, whereas when you have Edie on the floor, you're in 100% drop coverage all the time uh, against pick and rolls, things like that. so I think that's going to be one of the real uh, interesting dynamics about the season is just how the flexibility that you get from first and Kaufman Wren coming off the bench, assuming they come off the bench, how that really yeah. impacts what you do and how much of a drop-off there is when Edie's not on the floor, if there's a drop-off. And I'm, I'm underscoring right. that point, if there's a drop-off, whereas – Normally, when you have that one guy who you build your whole team around at both ends of the floor, when he's not on the floor, things change for the worse. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not so sure that they – that I'm not going to say they change for the better. Uh, there might be games where they do, but I'm not saying that they're necessarily assuredly going to change for the worse either. Yeah. Game's right around the corner. Thanks, Brian. No problem. Thanks, Kel. All right, uh, that'll do it for the podcast for this week. We do uh, thank you for standing by the one-day delay on our typical Monday podcast. 
Uh, if you do like the podcast, be sure to rate us five stars. Give us a comment as well. Subscribe via your favorite podcast app. Uh, thanks to our sponsors and for Tom Deanhart and Brian Dubert. I'm Kyle Chargers. Thanks for listening. This is Gold and Black Radio.